This is The Storied Outdoors, a podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. This essay is entitled A Runaway Horse and His Boy, written by Brad Hill and read for you by Brad Hill. No one can teach riding quite so well as a horse. C.S. Lewis, The Horse and His Boy. There's nothing like a good old-fashioned rescue, whether it's Aslan saving the Pevensies, the eagle swooping in to snatch the dwarves and Bilbo from imminent destruction. Liam Neeson going after his daughter in the movie Taken. Or Woody going on a quest to find Forky in Toy Story. We adore and we long for rescue. But it goes much deeper than, than just, say, a literary device. It's written on our hearts it's the thing most needed, the thing most longed for. I like the way John Eldridge puts it when he says, or asked rather, why does every great story have a rescue? To which he answered, because yours does. The feeling of losing control is a pervasive fear that grips many people. Elliot D. Cohen, in an article for Psychology Today, points out that most of whom struggle with this particular fear are perfectionist. Though this is a broad and sweeping comment, I don't doubt that most perfectionists likely struggle with this fear. However, I would argue most of humanity at some point in their lives have struggled with this very real fear. Maybe you have been driving and hydroplaned, or possibly you were with a group of friends and bad decisions were made, causing things to go off the rails. Perhaps you were all alone, and life itself seemed to be spiraling hopelessly out of control. When I was a child, the fear of losing control became a reality. Much of my childhood growing up in Monroeville, Alabama, involved cherished time riding, caring for, and being around horses. When I was very young, our family purchased 40 acres just outside of the small town of Monroeville. Now, granted, it doesn't take long to get outside of the small town of Monroeville, but this property was firmly situated in the middle of nowhere. Located on Alabama State Highway 41, north of Monroeville, our family built a barn, and we had hookups for our family RV. <laughs> and believe me when I say, I fell in love with that thing, Clark. So many weekends of my upbringing were spent there, at what we affectionately called the land. <laughs> Not very creative, I know, but that's what we called it. Horses, they were a big part of the land. Over the years, we had as many as six horses in our care. 
Caring for these majestic creatures taught me many things and showed me the value of pets, the value they have to teach difficult lessons to a kid. I learned the value of hard work, of death, life, responsibility, and a great appreciation for the outdoors. What little boy or girl, for that matter, doesn't at some point dress up like a cowboy or a cowgirl and pretend to ride in the open range far off in a land out west? Not only did I dress up like one, but I was able to regularly be on a horse, and for all I knew, I was a cowboy, and the land was my wild west. I was comfortable on and around horses. You know, honestly, looking back, I, I just... I realized just how much of a privilege it was. I'm sure that I took it for granted then, but I'm deeply thankful for these memories in retrospect. It was there at the land that my deep love for the outdoors was cemented and now part of who I am. During that time of us having horses, buying and raising them, we spent time at auction and we would occasionally attend and an overnight trail ride. Gathering at some location out in the country, we would drive our RV and trailer our horses to meet other folks who loved to ride. We would generally ride somewhere in the ballpark of 20-ish mile trail ride in a large group. Pack a lunch in preparation for a grand day ride with a host of characters resembling something from a long-ago story of old or something off the Oregon Trail. (laughs) Thankfully, no one ever died of typhoid fever or dysentery. Reflecting back on these times, it seems like ages ago. Another life altogether. These memories, these sights and sounds, and aromas. They rushed to the front of my mind as though they were waiting to greet me like an old friend handing me a delightful cup of nostalgia. Those times on the land, time with the horses, time with my family, all shaped me and taught me more than I can recall in this essay. To me, horses are one of the most majestic creatures in the world. Powerful, filled with various personalities, and continuously cautious. Most folks have have only been around horses in limited capacities, most likely limited to maybe a petting zoo or youth camp, or a friend who had them. Lots of folks, I'm sure, have only read about them or maybe seen them on TV. Going back centuries and likely written deep onto their DNA, they are in a constant state of flight due to their ancestors who various carnivorous predators hunted. That skittish, continual vigilance has helped horses to survive all this time. Understanding this, you never want to sneak up behind a horse. Doing so will bring a painful encounter with those powerful hind legs. In the poignant words of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle in his character Sherlock Holmes, Horses are dangerous at both ends, and tricky in the middle. However, the more time you you spend around them, the more comfortable they will become around you. And typically, a horse is a very very good judge of character, and it takes some time to develop trust. 
Ronald C. White, in his book, American Ulysses, A Life of Ulysses S. Grant, points out, Grant was renowned for his ability to ride in gentle horses. But what do horse stories mean to a modern reader? In an era earlier when horses were central to everyday life, people understood that a man whom horses trust is the kind of man that can be trusted. Grant's gentle, strong, and gracious way with horses earned him their willingness to go and do exactly what he needed of them. Similarly, Grant seemed to garner the same response from those people that he led. After some time in a horse's presence, I still maintain a sense of awe at their size, an awe at their beauty. Something behind their dark eyes made me feel like they knew something. They knew something they weren't sharing. Rarely do they seem dull. Even an old horse can have a flash of wild in those eyes, which seem to look, which seem to look into your soul. It occurs to me that there are no other creatures mentioned in Scripture that angels employ in their service. It seems like there may be a reason that the returning Savior in Scripture is said to be riding on a white horse. All that to say, horses hold a special place in the stories of old. In reality and fiction, fantasy and drama alike, nothing conveys a good story or adventure quite like riding a horse off into the great unknown. <laughs> Little did I know. I would have my own exhilarating adventure on the back of one of these majestic creatures. One particular weekend at the land, around the age of ten, our family saddled up and headed out for some time riding together on the dirt roads that stretched far beyond our property deep into the wilderness of South Alabama. Our property was surrounded by miles of acreage owned and maintained by one of the many timber companies in our area. The timber would be raised and cut, possibly to make paper or various forms of lumber. Most of the trees in our area were vast stands of longleaf, shortleaf, and loblolly pines that grew very fast, and they were very profitable for these timber companies. Looking down those rows of mature pines and seeing the ends grow dark where the light failed filled me with wonder, and my imagination would often fantasize as to what could be living down those dark rows of trees. On that particular day, each of us mounted the horses that we had grown fond of, where the ones we were most comfortable riding. Now, there are all sorts of different kinds of breeds, builds, and temperaments when it comes to horses. Most of the ones that we owned were called quarter horses, sort of a classic cowboy horse, if you will, sure-footed, trustworthy, and hard-working. My dad's horse that he was riding was a quarter horse named Buckshot. We likely had found him at the local auction. A retired barrel racing horse, lean, strong, and quick Buckshot, he had a pretty serious top-end speed. Even though he was older, it didn't seem like he'd lost much of a step in those years. Now, barrel racing is an event seen in many rodeos where a rider and a horse methodically weave through a series of barrels as fast as they can, as close as they can to the barrels, without knocking them over. When you were on buckshot now, you had to remember 
He would be quick to turn if you laid the reins on either side of his neck. His instinct was to change direction and fast. I was ten years old and proud to be astride a horse we dubbed Dan. He was a mixed breed horse crossed between a Tennessee walking horse and a quarter horse. A Tennessee walker has this sort of incredible walking gait that enables them to not run but to walk incredibly fast. As you rode on them, you felt like you were sitting on a glider rocker and moving at the pace of what would be a jog for most horses, all the while as smooth as honey pouring from a jar. Dan was a dark brown horse with a beautiful white stripe down his face, standing roughly 16 to 17 hands high. A horse's height is measured in what's called hands, with one hand equaling approximately four inches. The measurement is taken from the ground vertically to the highest point of the horse's withers. The withers happen to be the highest point of the horse's back, at the base of the neck between the shoulders. Dan, at over 16 hands at this point, was nearly six feet tall. His neck would extend up from this point, extending his stature to be an enormous and powerful horse. I would venture to say uh, Dan weighed in the ballpark of a lean and beautiful 1,600 pounds. Dan being a crossover, he really, really got the best of both breeds. He was sure-footed and robust, but he had a beautiful gait, making him very, very comfortable to ride. We were all saddled up and headed out of the gate. We turned left down the dirt road our land was situated on, and I distinctly remembered an enormous live oak on the corner. That tree was so wide it would have taken four or five adults to join hands and wrap around it. There's no telling what the girth of that tree was, or the age for that matter. As we passed by more than once over the years, I would think, or someone would verbally say, If that tree could talk, I bet it could tell some stories. In a deep, resounding voice, it would recount much that had passed beneath its boughs. And the story it was about to encounter would be one, one for the ages. My family and I set out for some time exploring the dirt roads and paths of the South Alabama forest that lay on the edges of the land. As we turned left, Little did I know what was about to happen. Much of the memories of that day are are sort of foggy in my mind. I don't remember how far we made it away from the barn or what all we did or what we discussed. I remember my horse Dan, who my mom recently said was probably too big for me to be riding, was spooked by something. Now, what I mean spooked is something startled him into a flat-out sprint a natural response from a horse. It could have been any number of things from a snake or perhaps something that looked like a snake. At any rate, it was sort of rare for him to get spooked. He was usually very calm. I mean, we could even shoot rifles and shotguns off of him without him being spooked. Alas, something startled him. As he began to sprint away from my parents, I tried my best with all the strength of my 10-year-old self could muster to stop him and calm him down. With this mighty pull, the straps of the harness broke and rendered the bit in his mouth useless and my ability to control him impossible. I could pull as as hard as I wanted, but there was no stopping a terrified Dan. 
At full speed, Dan was like a runaway freight train, and I was a helpless passenger. Laughably, I was but a fly on his back, and he was running scared. Fear was coursing through my veins as the reality of my predicament was settling in on me. I don't remember how long we had ridden that day or exactly where we were, but in a recent conversation about the event with my mom, she reminded me that Dan was on a collision course with a slightly busy county road, one that typically entertained a host of log trucks transporting timber from our area's thriving timber industry. Upon realizing this, fear was mounting for me. As my mom recounted, and I quote, it scared the living tar out of your dad and me. Barreling towards a potential catastrophic intersection with a log truck traveling in the ballpark of 60 miles per hour, and if it's the legal maximum weight weighing as much as 53,000 pounds, Dan and me didn't have much of a chance making it. What do you do as a kid? Who, who do you look to when you feel helpless? I was reaching for everything, everything I could grab to try and slow him down, but to no avail. I called for my dad. Looking fearfully over my shoulder, trying to spot my dad and yelling at the top of my lungs for his help, I saw an image I'll never forget. It was my father in full pursuit, chasing me on his trusty steed, Buckshot. In all his superhero manly splendor, there he was astride, perhaps the fastest horse we owned. My father was in a feverish pursuit to rescue me, his son, a young boy on a collision course with tragedy. Closer and closer, Dan raced toward the intersection. Closer and closer, Dad followed. With every stride, buckshot ran like lead flung from a shotgun barreling toward me. I looked at Dad, and I looked at the road before me. Time stood still. As the dust of the road and the pounding of hoofbeats flooded my head, crying out, I called for Dad over and over again as my destiny lay ahead of me. The chase lasted for what felt like eternity. Everything slowed to a halt, everything but Dan. Pine trees whizzed by in a blur. The dirt road was unfolding beneath me so fast the gravel appeared as smooth as concrete. All the while, my mom was looking on in terror. Now, after what felt like miles and miles, Dad came up alongside us just before entering oncoming traffic. Just like the movies, Dad was a cowboy racing in full gallop to save someone on a runaway stagecoach. He grabbed the reins and slowed us down. Eighteen-wheelers rushed by angrily along the road as we gently came to a stop. Safe. We were safe, <laughs> but my heart was still in full gallop. He had rescued me. My father had rescued me. Now, I understand that there are many who didn't grow up with a dad who they could look to in their times of need. I understand many have experienced very, very different stories concerning their father. My heart breaks for them. However, I am forever grateful that I was able to look to mine in that moment of need. My father passed away almost two years ago. 
I reflected on this very story at his memorial. Though it was a terrifying moment in time, I cherish this memory. In the Jesus Storybook Bible, Sally Lloyd-Jones describes my exact sentiment on that scary day when she describes God, the Rescuer. She writes, God rescued them no matter what, time after time, over and over again because of his never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. My earthly father mirrored my heavenly father that fateful day. And though my father wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, I always knew, without a doubt, that he loved me. He told me with his words, and he showed me that day with his actions. The more I reflect on this story, the more grateful I am of my father, In all his failings, his love for me was evident daily. As a kid, who do you look to in moments? Moments where you're in the grips of fear. Your natural inclination, or my natural inclination for that matter, was to cry out for my dad. Why not mom? I don't know. I'm not sure what it is, but in that moment, it was my dad whom I looked to for salvation. He always seemed larger than life, able to do anything. And in that moment, my suspicions were confirmed. He saved me. In my own life, since becoming a father, I've had my own experiences where I've had to come to the rescue of my son. One Saturday after competing in a sprint triathlon, my family and I spent some time by a pool. My son four-year-old at the time, jumped into what he thought was a kiddie pool, but turned out to be a jacuzzi that was not on and thankfully was not hot, but it was deep all the same. Liam, unable to swim, went straight to the bottom like a lead weight. Seeing his helpless state, I hurriedly sprang into action, leaping across the swimming pool, slamming into the side of the jacuzzi and gashing my shin on the tile edge. With one arm, I pulled him from the depths of that would-be watery grave. He was fine, but my leg was gushing blood. Did I think twice about my body when rushing to his aid? No, no, not for a second. All I thought about was saving my son. That's the power of a father's love. Scars and all. The role of a father is irreplaceable, a special calling, and the opportunity to be specifically an image-bearer of the Creator. Written on our souls is a need for a father and a mother, each having their specific roles, not one more important than the other. Now, at at the risk of sounding too preachy in the telling of this story, I feel as though I would betray who I am if I didn't share, if I didn't share just how much your heavenly Father God loves you and how He is relentlessly pursuing you in much the same way. On that runaway horse bound for destruction, 
I was desperate for rescue and had no power to save myself. Like my ten-year-old self, each of us are bound for destruction on a collision course with death. But God, in his love for us, relentlessly pursues us and sent his Son to die in our place that we may have life, that we may be rescued. So I leave you with these words from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take some time to leave us a review. Or better yet, share it with a friend. We hope these stories encourage you. Encourage you to write your own stories and share your own adventures in the storied outdoors.